Hi, welcome to Let's Talk About CX. In today's episode, I'm meeting Victor Calabrese. Victor is CEO of a company called Deskside, which is an IT services company. Besides that, he's running three other companies and he's the author of a book called Accessing Your True Potential, which he wrote for his five children. Victor is an impressive guest, uh, not only by his achievement, but also by his vision around customer experience. In this episode, we'll be talking about what is customer experience, how do you deal with bad customers, how do you build a customer experience culture within your organization, and much more. So stick around. Welcome to Let's Talk About CX, a show that will help you improve your customer experience and provide you ideas on how to amaze and delight your customers. And now, here's your host, Sultan Samlali. So I'm super happy today to welcome Victor Calabrese to the show. Thanks, Victor, for being here. Thank you, Sultan. It's a pleasure. So... Victor, let's deep dive right into it. Um, you're a successful entrepreneur. Um, you are running four different companies. Uh, I don't know when you ever sleep. Um, but I guess one of the key secrets to being successful is to nail customer experience. So how would you define customer experience? So um, you are 100% right. Customer experience is a fundamental uh, to any successful business, right? A lot of businesses struggle with that early on. And when they finally figure out that making their customers happy and having a great um, user experience is, is, is what is necessary to push the, the, the boundaries of, of, of revenue and everything else, you know, uh, client satisfaction. Um, the, the things that I have learned as, uh, in my career, and I learned it early on, I, I, I really do think that's one of the reasons why I've been so successful is that you have to keep your clients happy, right? In this space, one of the companies that we have in the space that we are, we're in the managed services uh, space. So we take care of IT for small and medium businesses. So we are dealing not only with the person we sold our services to, but with every single client uh, in that organization. And very basically, uh, client experience to me is ensuring that whatever service or product you're surviving gets you raving fans. If you go and you define everything you do based on the fact that the other people on the receiving end are super happy with what you're doing, you have a good client uh, customer experience. Um, and for you know our service industry, it is on a daily basis. You know, one thing that I learned early on, Sultan, is that there's a little needle for customer experience, right? And every time you do something good, it goes up a notch. And then you do something else that's good, it goes up a notch. And it goes up a notch, right? And it just keeps going until you get to the point of raving fans, right? And it takes like 20 experiences, 20 touches to get there. But it takes only one mess up to go all the way back down and start from zero. So that's what I, you know, really think customer experience is. Just making sure that every single time you touch a customer, they are absolutely 100% satisfied and happy with everything that's occurred. Yeah. Yeah, which probably brings me to the next question that I have in mind. So you are, you have a team of people, you're supporting customers. So who owns the customer? Is that, is that you as the owner for the company? Is that your employees? How are you, yeah, building that ownership of the customer? 
That's a fantastic question. And I'm going to take it right to culture, right? Because that's one of the things that many companies do get wrong. And I got it wrong early on, right? They have what's called an account manager. You have a sales guy, you have an account manager, you got all these service guys. And at the end of the day, you got all these different definitions for what people should be doing. Mm -hmm. But that's a mistake, especially when it comes to customer experience and loyalty and making sure that customer's happy. I, I came up with a little, tra a little tagline uh, that I call TAM, T-A-N. And that's um, a, a technical account manager. There's an account manager. But the reality is that everyone is an account manager. In that culture, I tell all my people that every single time you're talking to that account manager, you are that technical account manager. You are that account manager. You have to take responsibility. And I embed that into the culture of the company to ensure that everybody understands that. And if there is a, a point where um, I have an employee or I have someone come to me and I says, you know, Victor, I'm supposed to be taking care of only the technology. Well, that person doesn't really fit within my organization because mm -hmm. I hire based on customer service and customer, uh, the ability to take care of the client, everything else I can teach, mm -hmm. but that, that customer, uh, uh, that, 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 that taking care of the client, that's not something you can really teach. That's gotta be something that you hire into the company. So I really think it's a culture based. I don't think there is any one owner. I will get involved with the secretary of one of my clients if I have to, right. Yeah. And I have zero problem with that president of the company. I have no problem taking care of if there's some one of my guys mess something up i will be that account manager but yeah. i do expect that everybody within the team is that account manager yeah now it's really key um because at the end of the day no matter who's there they just see the logo of your company and just one stupid mistake can really ruin your business um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why, it, and the, the, the other side is true too, right? The more yeah. people you have within your client's organizations that are raving fans of yours, the easier it is for you to sell because you have trust built, right? The easier yeah. it is for you to maintain that client. The good things are that come up, like you can, you're going to have issues, right? There's going to be mm -hmm. times where you, you, you have a bad event, something happens, somebody's not having a bad day. You know, what you do with that and how you turn it around is really crucial. Yeah. And how many times you have those bad experiences compared to how many times you have those good experiences, that's what really matters, right? Like I said, that needle will go up, up, up. It takes one to bring it all the way down, but then you have to just double up your efforts and make sure you can start bringing it back up. Yeah. Yeah, I heard someone saying once that the question you need to ask is, um, how did that company deal with you when you had an issue? And that's having those stories uh, and using those stories even as customer references is even more powerful that, uh, yeah, we signed a million dollar contract with uh, Victor and uh, we're going to be happy to peppy. Uh, no, it's going to be about uh, we faced that issue and Victor saved our lives, so so to speak. So I don't know if you're a lifesaver, but uh, <laughs> I think that's the ambition. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I mean, it, it, it's a good point, but, and you know, yeah, the other important thing is, you know, to reward within your ranks when they do mm -hmm. the right things, right? That's yeah. also going back to culture of your company and making sure that, you know, you're not only pushing your team to be that account manager, but at the same time, when something good happens, make sure you take the opportunity to celebrate that within the organization and make sure that everybody understands that that's what we want to happen. Yeah. And then how do you do that? It, de it depends. I mean, I mean, it could be something as simple as a gift card, you know, buy the guy lunch, 
Um, mm-hmm. If it's something bigger, obviously, you know, it'll be reflected in their bonus and it'll be reflected. You know, I keep a scorecard for all my employees where they have specific metrics that they have to meet uh, mm-hmm. on a monthly basis in order to get their bonuses and their raises at the end of the year. And within that, there is a solid, every single person has some sort of customer experience or customer satisfaction goal that they have to uh, meet. And that does tie in. So depending on what it is, there's there's a bunch of ways to reward them. But, you know, sometimes even just going up to them is you did a great job. You know, it means a lot to the employees, right? Yeah. Give them a $20 Starbucks gift card, you know, and you just made the, the, the person's day. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I think the CX maybe stands for culture experience. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's good. If you want to take both sides of it, you know, the outside and the inside facing culture experience would be... Yeah, yeah. A good, uh, definition. Yeah. I haven't really looked at it from that angle, but I think it's it's really key to to making that work great. And um, juggling with customer experience, are, are there some based on your experience, um, some concepts around customer experience that are misunderstood? Some of the concepts that are misunderstood with customer experience, I I, I think that. That customer is always right is uh, very misunderstood. I, I, mm-hmm. I think, and again, going back to your example, that it's more of a culture experience because you got two customers. You got your internal customers, your employees, and you got your external. If the external customer is always right, then you're going to have very, very upset internal team, right? So I think yeah. that that's very misunderstood. I, I really do feel that you should be willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, keep in mind that there are definitely Karens in, in the world and people that will complain just to complain. Um, and, and you have to kind of understand that sometimes that customer is not the right customer. Just like I made the example of that employee doesn't fit within your organization. There may mm-hmm. be a customer that just doesn't fit within your organization and you mm-hmm. shouldn't struggle to maintain or hold on to that customer. You know, you, you just need to let it go. Um, so that, and that's really misunderstood. Like Mm -hmm. churn rate is something that I feel is healthy for a company when it's low, Mm -hmm. a a non-existent churn rate. It it means you either don't have a lot of clients or you are extremely lucky person and you're getting the best of the best and you never pick up a bad client. Um, so don't waste your time trying to make everyone happy, Mm -hmm. trying to say the customer's always right. There are customers that are wrong. There are customers that don't belong with you. And when you start cutting out that that fat out of the company, it's going to be a lot easier to maintain the rest of your client base's uh, experience uh, healthy and make it make them happy. Make sure that they're happy raving fans of yours. Yeah. But that's, I guess, when you have a focus on growing your company, it's counterintuitive to think about letting go of some of the customers because they're yeah. paying you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an operations guy. Like I came up the ranks on the operations. So I measure everything, uh, you know, just like I have a scorecard for my employees. I have scorecards for my clients. And a lot of times uh, if, uh, you know, this is another big mistake. Your audience might appreciate this, but not measuring whether a client is profitable or not is a big mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you may be spending all this time, all this energy to keep this client. And the reality of it is it's not hitting your bottom line because they're actually costing you money. You know, yeah. and if when you look at it and you're saying I'm spending a thousand dollars, but I'm only charging them five hundred. It's a lot easier to say, you know what, this client's got to go because you just made five hundred bucks the minute you fire them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
and and how do you i guess there is this financial aspect there's probably also the um, for many organizations also the branding aspect so if i have a large customer and which is a powerful asset i said okay well um I don't know. I have AT&T as a customer. They cost me money, but at the same time, I can put on my website that AT&T is a customer. Um, how do you balance actually the decision of keeping them or letting them go? Yeah, I mean, it's very dependent on your business, obviously. Uh, you know, keeping a logo on your website, you have to measure it. Like how many other clients is that logo bringing on board, right? Yeah. Uh, and again, it's 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 a marketing aspect, so you're going to have to have a pretty talented marketing team to be able to quantify that. I mean, mm -hmm. if if for instance you have that logo on there, and then mm -hmm. people are calling you, hey, you know, I AT and T told me to give you a call, or I saw AT and T is one of your clients, you need to mark that down because yeah. that is a, a, a pliable number to whether that client is uh, profitable or not. But what I was really referring to is. This is the amount of money this client is bringing you on because like even a client like AT&T, big mm -hmm. client, usually your losses on a bigger client are way bigger than any one client they will ever bring to you, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you got to kind of look at it from both ends of the, the spectrum. I mean, if, the, if, if you're charging AT&T $100,000 a month and it's costing you $110,000 a month to, to keep them and they're bringing in $5,000 a month of extra revenue, maybe you have an ROI within six months, right? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you don't. So you got to kind of put all that together and see whether it's worth keeping them. But um, I, I've actually, one of my former lives, I, I had to fire Ford. You know, wow. uh, Ford Motor Company was one of our clients. And at a certain point, we just, it was not profitable. It was a big hit to the company. Company mm -hmm. uh, revenue-wise went down by 27%, uh, if I remember correctly. Wow. But at that point, it's like, you know, 27% revenue loss. But at the same time, how much money is actually hitting the bottom line? And the truth of the matter was we weren't making money with that client. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. And I've, I've seen examples of customers or companies doing what, you, what you've done. And then putting the focus against against the customers that were bringing money actually, mm -hmm. and multiplying actually the revenue on that side. So, but uh, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of courage to do what you have been doing. So yeah, um, well, it's it's experience more than, more than courage because you get burned once. I mean, as a good businessman, you get burned once. You know, you learn, burn twice. Like shame on me. But but if you keep getting burned, you're not a real businessman, right? You got to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And uh, I've been there. I've been there where I held on and held on and held on to that client. And it was the wrong thing to do because it was affecting the other clients. I mean, think about it this way. You have a bad client. It's going to bring in bad energy within the organization, right? Because you're going to mm -hmm. have interactions. You're going to have fighting. You're going to have all this stuff. Now your culture is going to start to affect. It might have more disengaged employees. And now mm -hmm. when the good client calls, that employee is disengaged because they just had a bad interaction with your bad clients. Now that other client is not getting the experience they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it's good to look in that perspective. Everything, everything is connected and related to each other. So um, it goes beyond actually the simple, how, how much money are they bringing in, but what is the actual impact on culture? We're getting back to culture. Um, so beside your, all your business adventures, you're also an author. Um, you wrote a book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
And um, in your book, you are talking about the four wheels of life and how can you become your better self. Uh, can you share us more about actually those four wheels of life? Yeah, so um, early on, uh, before I had all these companies, there was a period of my life, and it was actually when, when I was talking about that, that, that client being bored, where I was running a call center. And at a certain point, um, the owners of that call center, because I was not an owner, asked me to um, downsize the call center. So we went from 250 agents, we had to downsize it to 50 agents in order to sell it to, to a, a sister company. And it was one of the worst times of my life. And at that point, um, I decided to never work for someone again. And I, I was going to start my own businesses. In that moment in transition, when I started actually opening up the LLCs and you know, the business, I had nothing to do. And one day I, I was sitting at my desk and I started realizing how much, because I'm an avid reader. I read a lot of, 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 of books. I try to read at least one a month. And I sat down and I started thinking about my children and saying, oh my God, if my children had to go through the same life path that I went on, it's going to take them the same amount of years to get to where I am today. There's got to be something I can do to help yeah. them. That's when I started saying, well, the most important thing is accessing that true potential, that little voice inside your head that sometimes you gain access to and you're like, man, I was awesome in that meeting, right? Or the opposite of where you blew it at a meeting. It's like, where is that person that I was just last week, right? And I, I, started, I started going through it. It's like, what? Because I've been able to gain access to that better person over and over and over again, which has made me more and more successful as I got older. I say, well, how does that work? And, and, and the way it works is that I've classified things that you have to have in your life and they're categorized in four wheels with six pillars. So there's, six, uh, there's pillars supporting the wheels where it has to do with health, clarity, peace, and power. The health uh, wheel, for instance, it's all around nutrition and fitness, right? Eating right, making sure you're working out. And I know a lot of your audience have heard this before. It's really important. Maintaining your body is really important to being able to access that true potential. Then you get into the uh, uh, clarity wheel where effective routines is the pillar of that wheel, right? Making sure you have certain things in your life is really, really important to making sure that you can actually have a clear head to be able to perform. Then your peace wheel is all around spirituality and family and friends, right? Having the right people around you and, and having the right spiritual, uh, and it doesn't matter what your religion is. And when I talk spirituality, you know, I believe in the universe. I've studied every single religion out there in order to put this together, but there is a piece of that that makes your inner being um, calm and able to access that true potential. Family and friends, having bad people around you, not a good idea. They will drag you down. Having good people will pull you forward. And then finally, power, which is supported by continuous learning, right? Making sure that you know where to access that continuous knowledge and increasing your knowledge over time is, is, is powerful. And once you have all these pillars supporting these wheels, these wheels start to spin. When you got all four wheels spinning, you have access to that true potential anytime you want it. Yeah. yeah I really love that concept and how you, how you bring all those things together in your book, uh, accessing your true potential. Yeah. I sat down and wrote it for my kids. It wasn't a matter of the, that's one of the businesses, like you usually start a business to make money. That, that wasn't the point of that book, that book, that book. And you know, I, 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 
got my goal was to take that book that was a lot of work. It was three and a half years, three plus years of work and giving it to each of my kids and saying, here, this is, yeah. this is what I can leave you with. This will fast track your ability to get to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think you give them a, and it's positive words and unfair advantage to know that yeah. and, 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 and to get that power. Because when you probably in the same way that you've been through, and I'm also an avid reader and all the things that you capture, you want to, yeah, you want to give them back. Um, you want to summarize because there is a lot of value in there for them and to help them be successful. And that covers, I think, all the areas you have discovered around uh, peace, clarity, health. And I forgot the fourth one. Power. Power. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, it, and yeah, you make a good point. Like if you read, um, and, and even if you don't have to read, I do a lot of uh, audible listening too. So I, I want to make sure that, that, that we're encompassing that. But a lot of these books are very niche. They're mm -hmm. very specific to a topic. And then some of the books that have tried to do what I've done weren't that good. Like there, there was a lot of missing pieces. And that's mm -hmm. where I said, you know what? You know, I, I can't believe because the concepts aren't that difficult. They're, they're really, once you start reading them, they're like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But once you read them and they're in written word, they're, they're, they're easier to take action on, but they're not that complicated. And it's like, my mind was like, this doesn't have to be a long book. This doesn't have to be a complicated book. This is just the stuff that you need to do. Like meditation. If you're not meditating, you know, and, and prayer is a form of meditation, mm -hmm. there is uh, working out is a form of meditation because you do get into that alpha stage. There's different ways to get into the meditative. But if you're not meditating, there is a big piece of the puzzle missing within your life and you will never have access to your true potential. You may be very successful, but there's more. There's a gap there. And if you put that into your life, you'll see the difference. Yeah. I think it's a powerful word and that can be applied not only to your own life, but probably also to your business. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, the business world is, is, uh, is uh, swimming with a bunch of uh, cannibal sharks. You know, mm -hmm. you're, they, they smell blood in the water and they'll come after you, right? And that's a uh, competition with your clients, good clients, bad clients. There's a bunch of stress. If you don't know how to deal with those energies, um, you're going to have a really hard time growing that company. That's why you have so many companies. We're talking about it before we, we, we started, right? That you know, only 4% of companies make it to a million dollars because there is a lot of just standard of living companies where they come in, they pay their bills, they go home, you know, and, and that's it. That's all they can do because the, they don't know how to maintain the stress. They don't have all the knowledge necessary to build the company to the next level. They don't know how to hire employees and then mm -hmm. tell them what needs to happen, right? Train them, be good to them. They don't know how to attract clients. There's a, there's a gamut of reasons why these companies don't make it to that level. Um, mm -hmm. and, and having you being the best version of you is absolutely a necessary uh, thing. Some people do it naturally. You know, mm -hmm. the Tim Cook, Steve Jobs, you know, Elon Musk, these people just naturally do it. And that's why they're at those levels. And if you see yeah. them, a lot of these people have all these things within their lives that mm -hmm. they've always done. Yeah. You know, most of us aren't naturally like that. We have to work yeah. at it. Yeah. And it's only by hard work um, that you can unleash actually your potential. Oh, so yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of work, Sultan. I, I mean, I think... Uh, uh, that that people uh, make excuses that they don't have time for a lot mm -hmm. of these things uh, when they're burning six hours a day on TV, you know, and I'm, I, I watch TV. I'm not saying watching TV is bad, but you have the time 
And not only do you have the time, but it is necessary for you to get to the next stage of your life is to do mm -hmm. these things. So you've heard it all, get to work, grab this book. It's available on uh, Amazon. There's also an audio book available, Access Your True Potential. Uh, I'll provide links in the description below or in the show notes for the ones listening to the podcast. Um, I'll share your details with everyone, uh, Victor. Thanks a lot for taking the time to joining us today. And it was my pleasure, sir. It was great to seeing you and uh, hoping to speak again soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Sultan. Thank you. Let's Talk About CX is a show from Nostress Media. To learn more about our shows, please visit nostress.media, where you can sign up and be alerted whenever we have a new episode. I'm also inviting you to check Digital Explain to My Mom, our podcast where we invite digital experts who explain what they do in words our moms would understand. Check the show notes for a link to the podcast.